everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Phil Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 157 for November 7th, two, yeah, blah, blah. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 157 for November 7th, 2018. This week's top Patreon supporters are Make Build Modify, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Keith Decent, Ryan Ridgely, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Mike Jeffcoat, Jim Bashirs, Brad Dudenhofer, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, John Made It, Barry Custom, Creator Nader, and Gangy and Pop Pop Makerspace. Gentlemen. That is a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of consonants, a lot of vowels. Also, thank you to everyone on that list, and thank you to everyone on the much larger list that uh, that I didn't read, but will yeah. again in the near future. Yes. Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. What uh, What are we working on? Bill Lutz, what is happening in your world? My world just got done uh, finishing up a... What will be a tea and coffee bar? Cool. Um, so I, I told you guys I bought a real cheap used um, uh, uh, Habitat for Humanity cabinets, mm-hmm. and I skinned it with some pallet wood, and then I took a giant slab of redwood that was the front reception desk at the old salon, and cut it to shape and made a tea and coffee bar that will be as you walk in the front door boom it'll be right there by the seating area so the girls don't have to uh, would you like some tea would you like some coffee because somebody's always asking oh it's self-serve that. so okay so it'll be self-serve now and uh it, it, yeah it looks fantastic i saw the yeah. pictures of it and uh the colors are great you know yeah. uh, now did you did you do the color scheme or did you, casey and the her partners no do i did that? it I yeah did that. they're that great colors up an interesting question how much freedom are they giving you to just do whatever you want or are you getting approval on each sort of section no and it's a little bit of conflict but i win in the end the basics the basics are there i I mean it's what they want you know i want i want a a divider a screen divider that divides the shampoo bowl from the uh the styling station Uh, okay i can do that don't we all yeah. yeah, so uh, I decided to use the old retail shelves to make that, and I think I posted pictures of that too. So yeah. that, so I did it my way. I'm, I'm trying to give the salon, they want the walls to be, everything is going to be all white as opposed to it's uh, four different colors of gray and some green now in the, their salon, but it's surrounded by windows where this space, it's only got front windows, so they're going to go all white. Mm. So what I build is going to be what pops, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I mean, one of them is uh, Casey's partner's a little bit, you know, I don't know. It's going to draw a lot of attention. Well, so what? That's the point. So did the first salon. I mean, that's all that people talked about when they first opened was everything that was in it as opposed to, and now it's, it's just manifest as an amazing name. Their reputation is built. uh, They're awesome hairstylists and uh, their new salon is going to look really good too. So I got that done. 
It's at the new space, and um, I am going to work on the new retail shelves that will fit in the arches that I did. Yes. And for that, um, Casey actually helped me come up with this. I was teetering between trying to put two standalone uh, brackets that would hold, like shelf brackets, to put the shelf boards on it. And then she's like, well, why don't we do one? And then is there some way you can, you know, inside the arch actually support it? And I'm like, actually, yes. And that would look really super cool. So you'll Mm -hmm. see right down the center, you're going to see a a metal beam that'll have the shelf, you know, legs sticking out. And then I'm going to take some pipe conduit and use that to support the ends inside the arch. And they're all going to be, uh, the inside of the arch is the manifesto mint green. So I'll spray paint the metal and the pipe pieces for supports all um, gloss white. And I, I think it's just going to, it's going to look really cool. It's it's going to yeah. look really cool. So. Sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the next project. So I'm using intoninate the plywood that will be laminated to a piece of uh, hardboard for the shelves and um, paint the bottom of that white on uh, on the white brackets and stuff inside that colorful archway. I think everything's just going to go bam. Pop, pop. Awesome. Inch and an eighth plywood? Yeah. Where are, you, where are you getting that? You can get inch and an eighth plywood is tongue and groove. And it's about as big as you can find in a big box store. So you look for the tongue and groove stuff and it's uh, it's inch and an eighth. So obviously I got to cut off. Oh, it's not a four the by tongue and the groove. It's, it's a four by eight sheet. It is a oh, four by eight the, sheet, but it's okay. got one side's got the, the the groove and one side's got the tongue. So you got to yeah. kind of eliminate that part. But it's you know it's a big old thick piece of plywood. I've never seen that. Yeah. I've seen it with uh, like OSB like that, where they use it for flooring and for wall sheathing. But I've never seen yeah, plywood it's, like it's, that. Yeah, it's really for flooring or sheathing on a yeah. roof. Uh, Interesting. So, huh? Yeah, Home Depot had it here, so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to cheap out. I'll just grab that. Um, it ain't gonna bend, that's for sure. You know? No, it's it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's less than an eight foot span, so it's basically gonna be supported every four feet, which is what the shelves I built last time, which were thinner, and they never dipped. So the, there's a Matthias hipped me years and years ago to it, or I got hip to it via Matthias. Uh, there's a a shelf or a, a wood uh, sag calculator online. If you type that in. And it'll actually tell you how far of a span you can go. You type in the thickness and the width and stuff, and uh, and what type of wood it is, and uh, and it'll tell you how far you can go between supports before it's going to start bowing on you. Cool. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, uh, and I've referenced it a few times for um, making some bookshelves and stuff. But uh, I mean, you're fine with what you're doing, but you know. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think eight, it'll be. You know, it's yeah. So you know, it's basically it's it's like seven foot. One of the arches is uh, starts off at the at the bottom. It's seven foot ten. So that's almost eight feet. So right in the middle is going to be the main support, and then supported on either end. Yeah, it ain't it ain't yeah. going nowhere. So yeah. Plus you're and putting then, on top of that too, so it's even thicker. It's going to be an inch and a half by the time you're done. It is going to be about an inch and a half. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and the laminating of the two will actually strengthen the the bending yep. of the plywood anyway. So because yeah. that's all laminated, but yeah, it'll look cool. And then obviously yeah. the the shelves will get smaller as they go up the arch. You know, right. not as wide. Yeah. Well, anyway, but yeah, so that's that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'll be up tiddly too. <laughs> Thank you, Ned Flanders. <laughs> Tim, what uh, what <laughs> what are you up to? 
<laughs> oh, hi, diddly ho, neighbor. I diddly <laughs> ho, neighborino. <laughs> uh, see, cur currently I'm making four stools. They're like a steel frame with wood tops, and um, the the customer wants the the tops to to be curved, like a butt curve. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, and and I've done stuff like this before in the past, and I've usually used like an angle grinder and uh, hog it out. Um, but I just decided I thought it'd be fun to do it on the CNC. So I, um, so there's a back piece to the as well as the bottom. And so what I did is I glued up a bunch of pieces of reclaimed real two by sixes, um, and uh, so they're actually two inches thick. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like the seat's going to be 13 inches long, and then the back is going to be like about three or four inches long. That's going to go on it. But so I glued it up into like an 18 inch panel, dropped the 18 inch panel into the CNC, and just let it carve out the butt groove. Um, on all four of these while I did other stuff. So I was like, the, the whole day I was, and I was pretty impressed that my electric held out. I had the CNC going with the dust collector on, the metal bandsaw cutting, and I was welding, and my light stayed on. Wow. Nice. Wow. That's, like, that's this fun. Is, this is, I was like, this is about as good as it gets here. <laughs> you know? so that's called that. separate circuits. It's working. Well, I have three. Yeah, I have two. I have two circuits, like each outlet's, you know, two circuits, and I have the lights are on a separate one, and then I have the 220 line as well. So I guess four. Um, and, uh, and then I made a mini chessboard. That was a lot of fun. I don't oh. know if you saw that. I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to catch that. that. It's, uh, I put a little thing up on Instagram of it where It's I, not a cutting board! I put a thing up on, uh, oh no, not that. Uh, that was something else I made. Um, but I made a, a chessboard that's five inches square. Oh. It's for someone that has, like, a dollhouse. It's like a quarter scale type thing. And they already had the pieces and they wanted a, like, a real chessboard. Something classy, you know. And they made it real wood. So I used walnut ash and some Brazilian cherry uh, for like a trim around it. But um, so I, I, I had so much fun with it because it's I, I put it into like onto a piece of um, like hardboard, something that didn't have any kind of anything that would reveal like size, you know. And so I you know went in with the camera on it kind of close. So this was like a chessboard, and then I dropped a quarter on it. <laughs> That's on my Instagram. It's hysterical. I had to <laughs> yeah, see that. it's because it's the, the quarter covers four squares, you know. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then I got some other stuff going on, but that's like that's the main stuff, I guess. I saw your um, chipboard guitar video. Oh yeah, I made that guitar out of the out of the chipboard door, the sawdust door, and uh, that was fun. That video was, uh, has some interesting comments. A lot of people, you know, saying, "Well, you could do this and that." Like, "Oh, well, we put a you know put a piece of hardwood there." This and that. I was like, "Yeah, I know, but I want to do this and see what happens." <laughs> I wasn't how long it lasts, you know. Right. So, yeah, I just want to like beat it, you know, beat it down and, and see what happens, but. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Awesome. So uh, I've been on the road quite a bit, but um, I'm working on this project. There's like this, uh, as you guys know, and I've mentioned in the past, uh, medical, actually no, recreational marijuana is now legal in Canada. So we are we are what we call post-prohibition. So there's no stigma. Woo, we could. Yay. Right. So oh, uh, there's stigma. There, there's yeah, stigma. There's still stigma. For you guys, you you sticklers. That's anyway, a, that doesn't so, go away in a month. <laughs> well, we're trying. Anyway, so there's this there's this company that I'm working with that does like weed lifestyle stuff. Like they're trying to do high end, uh, like <laughs> they're trying to do like high end accessories for the lifestyle and trying to be sort of a fashion brand. Um, yeah. And I'm and I'm working with them to do some uh, high end rolling trays, right, with like branding on it. And uh, and my, 
the software that I use for my CNC is Vectric, right? So I've been using VCarve Pro. And, and the relationship I've had with the companies, they've kind of been giving me like six month uh, licenses on the software in exchange for promoting them. And I guess I haven't done enough of a job of promoting them. Uh, <laughs> but my most recent license expired and and I really, to be honest with you, I found it a little distasteful to keep having to go back to, to beg for another license. So I was trying to work out another solution to be able to do that. So I started working with Easel, which is a cloud-based um, CAD software for CNC, and it's free. And the thing I needed to be able to do was to take that G-code, basically the universal language that all CAD software uses to generate instructions for your CNC machine, and I needed to convert it specifically for my machine, which is the, the, the New Wave... Piranha CNC, which sold at Rockler, it was branded by them, and uh, the one that I got from Tim. Now the so, but that's what's called a post processor. So it takes the generic sort of code and turns it into code specifically for your machine because there's header information that it has to go into it first. Long story short, it's very very difficult to do that specifically for my machine. So what I did was is I took a a real hard look at what it is that I do with my CNC and what all of the Vectric, Vectric software does. And what I did was, is I bought a license for their Cut 2D or Cut 3 Cut 3D software, which is significantly lower on the ladder than yeah. than their VCarve Pro or the VCarve Desk, whatever, VCarve well, Pro. De yeah, Desktop w is the smaller version, which was plenty for your machine because right. it's... So um, I got which, Cut 3D Desktop. Yeah. So I only have whatever twelve by twelve inches to work, and this is good yeah. enough for twenty-five by twenty-five. So that yeah. was there, and I'm not doing any like three D anything. I'm not doing any like real three-dimensional carving. I'm really doing two and a half dimensional stuff. So this was enough. It was hundred and fifty bucks. I was yeah. comfortable spending the money, and now I feel like I sort of own my own destiny with regard to this CNC because really the machine is is dead, is useless without software to be able to design anything. Like once you've made something, you output it, it's sitting on a USB key, then yeah, sure, the machine will do it and it's good to go. But any little change you have to make, you need this CAD software to be able to, to do it and output it to your machine's code. So I really felt kind of frustrated uh, until now. Now I feel like I'm sort of liberated by it. Uh, having mm. bought the license, it's mine, I can do whatever I want with it. I don't have to sort of promote anything but to be honest with you Vectric really is the best solution for a CNC machine and, and and at this point I've paid for my license so I have I have no affiliation with the company I'm not promoting them for the sake of getting anything for free but I've played with Fusion 360 and because there is a post processor on there but man that is not an easy piece of software to get going with that's not like well, a it, it does too much it's for like what you want to do it's just there's I it's, want to make a square like, with two pockets in it. You know what I yeah. mean? And to learn Fusion 360 for that, like I to watched a that. bunch of videos and like, yeah. man, forget that. It was way too hard. So I went to Vectric, I went to Cut 3D, and within two seconds I had exactly what I needed, output and ready to cut. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was just a no-brainer for me. Money well spent as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned and literally the easiest solution that there is. Well, you're you're good with um, you use the Adobe products. Um, 
was it yeah. Illustrator? Illustrator. So yeah. you can yes, yeah, so you can do your design in Illustrator and then import that into into Honestly, two, there's, two D cut. There's no, there's no point. You could do the same thing in, in the Vectric software. It's just as easy. You can in two cut in the two D. Well, you know, but what I was going to say is that like the the next step up from that is the V carve desktop, which is yeah. the one that came with your machine originally. That that was my license, you know, and um, that's only I think another hundred fifty dollars more. So and it when was, if you it were three fifty no it was three hundred and seventy five dollars yeah. for V carve desktop yeah, a, yeah twice as much yeah but if you decided that you needed more and you can upgrade I'm ninety ninety percent certain that you would not have to pay that at one hundred fifty I'm pretty sure you can roll up you know what I mean they charge so you they charge you a fifty dollar upgrade fee along with the difference between the two licenses oh so you did look that up yeah so it's the difference plus fifty bucks yeah, yeah that's not but to be honest with you bad. based on everything I've done so far with the CNC machine. The difference in capability that I've seen is you can't merge toolpaths. So if I want to make a cutout and then, uh, you know, all the different steps that basically I can merge into one toolpath, yeah. I now have to run independently on the machine. Which, to be honest with you, it's not that big a deal for what I'm doing. I could see yeah. if you were doing a multiple complicated cut, you know what I mean? And for production, then absolutely. But I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? I'm going to make 10... 10 whatever uh, rolling trays at a time when it's done cutting i go over to the next one i go go you know it's not it's not such a big deal um yeah. no i'm not i'm not all the way up on uh, cnc talk but one thing i think you said wrong was this is a uh, it's a long story long but. yeah yeah sorry about that anyways i guess that's revenge See, for all your guitar talk yeah, no, there's the, <laughs> but i find this interesting too <laughs> so, well so it's win-win so for win tim no sway what. i'm always winning <laughs> Yes. Tim's kind of easy is what it is. Getting tired of winning. <laughs> who said that? Was that Charlie Sheen who always used to say that? No, it was, uh, it's our president. Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll We'll be winning so much. There was one of his campaign speeches. You'll get tired of winning. Right. <laughs> I'm just learning uh, uh, Santana's I'm winning on uh, Cigar Box Guitar. That's Boring that's next. Right. I, I was, I was, I'm just doing it as as you guys. No, wait. I want to talk about G code a little more. <laughs> yeah, oh, that so, was interesting. Anyway, so that's what I'm working on. I'm working on feeling yeah. good about the things I own. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I've never used the that two two D cut or whatever it's called. Um, cut three D. It's the exact same. Inter everything's the same. Just some buttons are missing. Yeah, that's what I I figured, and that's probably all you're ever gonna need. Because most know. of the time. People, like, for example, when it comes to uh, CPUs and computers, I know this is more boring talk, but they don't develop lower-end versions of the CPUs. What they do is they develop, develop the one high-end, and then and they then cripple I it, and then sell yeah. it for less, because yeah. they need those price points. So yep. that's exactly what this is. This is a full-featured piece of software that, in order to fill price points, they just take out some functionality. Yeah. Yeah, I have Aspire from them now, which is the top, which has everything. Yeah. You know, because because I worked out, you know, a trade deal with them. Um, right. And I also have VCarve Desktop because they, when I make videos for them, sometimes they want me to use that because that's more people buy, or VCarve Pro rather, because, you know. But uh, there's like no reason to use VCarve because I have Aspire. So I always have right. to remember, like, oh, I should use VCarve for this in the video because mm -hmm. I don't need Aspire. So I have to remember that and then it's like it you know it's just not a big deal it's just like when i do screen grabs for videos or i'm using the cnc i'm like man i should be using vcar for this instead of aspire because it's all 2d you know i forget yeah. but um yeah it's uh you're right though this i messed around with easel i messed around with fusion 
and uh, the, there's and I, I am in a deal with them, but I'm I'm just saying this honestly. Like this, it's the only way to go for CNC work. I, agree. Now, I mean, there's is, all the isn't easy all the old specific stuff, to the X Carve, didn't they? It uh, was. It's their software. Right. So um, if you had an X Carve, you all this hard to get each other to talk to stuff would go away. Correct. X Carve. Okay. Because it's also yeah, it's just, also Cam, <clears throat> right? So it can also yeah. operate the CNC. Like you'd plug in the okay. CNC to a computer that's running Easel, and you can press go, and it'll go and cut. But you can yeah. use Easel with any machine and just output G code that then needs to be processed for your machine. Yeah. So and G and G code is just a, a text file. So if yep. you if you learn like you know you go into one of your like you said there's those first couple of steps. I tried doing that. Copy and paste. Yep. You tried that. Yep. It didn't work. It ran like the step the machine recognized ran through all the steps, but the head didn't move. Nothing moved. It just sort of <laughs> pretended like it did the work and was like, I'm done. And I was like, no, you're not. So, <laughs> yeah. so it was yeah. weird. And I'm sure I could have tinkered more and more. But honestly, I felt like this was $150 well spent. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's like, pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to you got to spend it's a cordless drill. That's a good. That's a DeWalt cordless drill. Come on. It's it's three table saw blades. <laughs> Two for <laughs> me. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Those I go Freud blades are eighty bucks a year, probably. You know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so like, I felt very good about it. First of all, just the idea of not having to. Hey guys, um, my license yeah. expired, and I could really. I haven't done anything one. for you yet, but, but can be, I get more free stuff? I do talk about it on the podcast, and I did feel like that was enough. But I guess, <laughs> but regardless, it's not like they said no to me ever. It just per my own. They no didn't. Feeling. You didn't even attempt to ask. You just bought it, right? Correct. Because I okay. didn't want to have to. I just felt bad about doing that. I also didn't like the arrangement of like sort of give a man a fish. Just, just teach man to fish already. So that's what I did. <laughs> I ate for a day. Okay. Okay. Are we? Um, so what are we watching? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Did how? Did we talk a lot? Did I talk a lot? Uh, Sorry about that. No, we, well, that's okay. You're in the title. Well, frankly, actually, it feels like very and much in keeping... to be honest, but... What? <laughs> Usually the word entitled and privileged go together, so... To be honest with you, I feel like I've earned every bit of what I got going on, so I'm going to... You're welcome for me. I'm going to pass right over what you just said. Uh, but frankly, this segues perfectly into our topic, which is theater of nonsense, which might as well be our podcast name, frankly. Right. At this point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, actually, what we came up with a clever title, but in the end, we went back to a fairly mundane topic that many people have covered, but we thought maybe we'd put our, our spin on it, and that is the, the pros and cons of Imperial versus Metric. And, you know, at the end of the day, it boils down to whatever it is you're comfortable with, but... Somehow, even though I'm Canadian and metric is the norm for us, when it comes to woodworking, I prefer Imperial. See, I use both, seriously, on a regular basis. Normal, bigger jobs that I'm making, we talked about this a little bit, but the bigger stuff, yeah. Imperial. But my cigar box guitars, it's so much easier when you're, you know, to make all these minute. Yes, I know what you're talking about because you've got to divide up all your fret lines, right? So instead of having to go well, two not, and three not, eighths, 
You're doing yeah. Well, 12, not only that, but like 24. just just the box dimensions itself. You know, because if, if the box is seven, like I said, you know, seven and three thirty seconds wide, some weird thing is like, okay, where's my metric ruler? Get yeah. it out. And now, now it's an even number, and I can just divide it in half, and I can get a center line for it. It's a lot easier. Right. You know, but I but mm. I don't want to do that when I'm building a. a there's a shelf behind me that's going to turn into a room divider. Yeah. There'd probably be no metric on that. But we, I think we were talking about this earlier as well. The the reason I prefer Imperial for woodworking is if you're talking about something that is eight feet long, to talk about it as it's 240 centimeters just feels ridiculous. Like it just these these values just make more sense to me. Okay, this is big. It's you know I guess you could also well, call it 2.4 meters, but now it's it's got a decimal in it. So I know. Yeah. And I have to keep. So there's no changing. there's no foot. There's no foot in metric. The meter. the meter's like a yard, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like th like three feet. Yeah, forty inches, I think. Well, there's one more also. It would be there's decameter, which is three, which is thirty centimeters. So you could say a foot is three decameters, but that one's like nobody has ever used. But that there's one. no single like uh, a pooter for a foot or whatever. Yeah, there's no a pooter for foot. No, it would be thirty centimeters. That's a foot, twelve inches. Yeah. Thirty centimeters. 0.3 meters. Yeah. You see, there's no elegance to it. And I think that's why we sort of are driven one way or the other when it comes to these kinds of units of measures. There's an elegance to it for woodworking to use Imperial, but there's also an elegance to using it for machining because your, your, your projects tend to be smaller and the precision needs to be higher, generally speaking. And it is much easier way. to talk in millimeters. Yeah, exactly. So you can talk about fractions of millimeters for machining, but you don't really want to talk in fractions of millimeters for woodworking. That would just be ridiculous. The values would just feel like they're, this is 2,000 millimeters or whatever, 2,213 millimeters. It just sounds ridiculous, right? It's, it's eight feet. Hmm. Yeah. It's something, something about woodworking, the, the size of the project really is a big part of that. But there is the accuracy does come into woodworking, like you know Bill mentioned with Cigar Boss Guitars, and I still tend to use... Imperial, even when I'm measuring small stuff like string height off of the the guitar frets and stuff, I do it in 30 seconds a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but but I what I have is um, I, I go into the uh, hundreds, the decimals instead of uh, the 30 second 64 is like the whole eight by oh, system. You work with thou. Um, so I tend so I started working in thou, and so what I do is when I have <laughs> when I have that number that's getting kind of ridiculous, I grab my digital calipers. And my, I used to, well. My digital calipers will alternate between um, millimeters and, you know, thousands of Mine inch, too, yeah. and inches, which is which is great. I had one that would not only do those two, but it also did fractions. So I could go and mm. I could measure, like say, like how big is this drill bit? I could pinch it with the calipers, and it would be like point, you know, one eight seven nine. And then I could push this button, and it would tell me, oh, it's seven eight. It's one hundred four. It's one hundred fourteen. 20, 80, 60s, you know, whatever, and give me this, <laughs> yeah. which is a real number. <laughs> yeah. But um, and that was the best one, but it broke. Um, so I still, but I still always lean, and I and I think it's because just the way I sort of learned, obviously I learned, you know, in school, you know, we use this system. Um, but I like that when I, when I was learning how to make guitars and stuff, my first woodshop experience when I was in my 20s, this guy was a cabinet maker and we were making guitars and the way he measured everything, he never went past the 16th. Um, right. Everything was to the six to the sixteenth. If it was let, if it was a, it was light or heavy, that right. was it. So he's like, yeah, it's 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 you know eight and seven sixteenths light, 
and that's and I still think that way a lot. But then I got into the C and C. I do too. Yeah. And then I got to the CNC though, and now light and heavy don't work anymore. No, no. I need to measure that. <laughs> so that little digital caliper comes in handy. <laughs> yes, I think also uh, the fact that woodworking specifically, you generally tend, especially if you're buying roughs on, everything is sort of is a rough dimension, and you really don't need to get down into the precise until you really are working with your milled material and you're talking so about you the joinery. The sp- yeah, it's really Small that part. precision almost comes later, right? Like. Eight feet, and you got to cut down your your boards because you're making a box. Yeah, I'll cut these to about. All right, make this uh, two feet. Make this one one foot. Even though you're going to be working with 18 inches later, and you're going to be working with you know six inches later on the sides. So a lot of it is just because it's rough dimension, and like who cares, right? And you just want to work with easy whole numbers. And nothing says who cares like the imperial system. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> But everything's heavy in woodworking, especially if you're if you're not working with reclaimed. I mean, ultimately everything is always cut much heavier and much bigger because you're gonna shave, you're gonna plane, you're gonna cut down smaller to precision afterwards. Like that's what I've recognized about the fact that, well, I mean, for me specifically, all of my woodworking experience has been down the road of reclaimed, where you're starting with finished dimensions, and what I mean is, is like. A woodworker who doesn't work with reclaimed starts with five quarter wood, right? And then you ultimately get down to your three quarters of an inch, and that's your finished dimension for most things: cabinetry, uh, box dimensions for the most part, unless you're making something tiny. So that is where they ultimately get to, but that's where we start because we're reclaiming something that's already a finished good. So I usually am doing very little dimensioning. I'm doing because I need to keep the thickness of this material. Maybe I'll go down to 5 eighths or something if I'm planing it down. But woodworkers don't work with reclaimed really have the luxury of being able to sacrifice a lot of material uh, to get down to a value that makes sense for them or that is, let's say, pretty or whatever it is. So there's a lot more freedom in that and a lot more rough sizing that I think Imperial speaks to. You know, what's funny about that is uh, as reclaimers, even though we're starting with much more precise material to begin with because we've reclaimed something that's already been milled or used for right. a piece of furniture, um, our tolerances as our, for our builds, I've said this before, one of the joys of reclaiming is you don't have that finesse, that fine-tuning that Mark Spagnuolo is going to make a beautiful rocking chair type finesse because it's reclaimed, you know, it's just, I don't know. The tolerances are a little lighter. You can get away with a little bit more. I feel like, yeah, I agree with you, but I feel like that's becoming less and less the case as sort of the rustic uh, vibe of things is starting to drift more towards refined. And I'm seeing that in the actual furniture industry where, you know, uh, reclaimed and rustic were huge and industrial was huge, but now things are becoming much more refined. People are moving away from the, the galvanized pipe for for shelving and like a lot of the big heavy industrial things are things are becoming smaller, more delicate, more refined. And I, I think there's an opportunity for that in the reclaimed world as well. Like, so if, we, if we're starting with three quarter, we're gonna have to do more laminating to get to thicker pieces. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the the soft wood, like because a lot of reclaimed is you know it's pine and these softer woods, and those are the ones that just don't give you the opportunity to get those really nice dovetailed joints. You know, so I mean? true. But when you start reclaiming, when you start reclaiming the denser stuff, I mean, absolutely. And and 
to your point about how you're already starting and finish, what I find a lot of times is that a, a lot of the wood that I get that's a hundred years old, you know, it's an inch thick. Um, yeah. And so I can actually get it down to three quarters of an inch and have it look like new wood minus the nail holes and, and bug holes and stuff. But, right. um, so because a lot of it's pre-dimensional and that was what actually got us onto this topic was we were talking about dimensional lumber, like the two by four, that's not really a two by four. Uh, I have a whole bunch of them in my shop right now. They're actually two by four, you know. Wow. But by the time I get anything usable out of them, it's inch and a half by three and a half, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, well I mean, usable by, like, you know, straight and flat wood. No, no, for you sure. Make a, but you want to make a bench that looks all rustic or whatever, then no, it's just like it is, you know. I, by no means am I saying that, that that look is over or done with because there will always, always, always be a place for it. Um, it's still it's still big here in the Bay Area. Yeah, especially industrial. Industrial is is you know there's so many lofts and warehouses and conversions and people are just digging on that kind of it's it's a thing here still. I that's all I can judge right. because it's where I live. But you travel all over. Um, well, yeah, just, rustic and industrial are reclaimed or hot. They're just big hot items here all the time. Crazy. Well, I mean, I'm gonna see in in January is the. Uh, Las Vegas Furniture Market, which mm-hmm. tends to be a more regional West Coast show. And I just did in, uh, where was it, in October, I was at the High Point Furniture Market, which is more East Coast um, and Midwest. And mm-hmm. so that's what I was seeing on the East Coast Midwest was really more refining of reclaimed and more refining of industrial. Yeah. But aren't, aren't the shows, I mean, aren't they next year, really? Well, like this is a trend years. that's sort of just been happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but the Vegas one's going to be in January, so it's, it's an Yeah, but I mean, like, like you know, it's next year's. It's like Bill's on the street, so he's not seeing next year's stuff on the on Oh, no, whatever's at these shows is good to go. Like, this is for sale oh, yeah. now, ready to ship. Yeah, yeah. That's the way we do it. No, that's, anyway. yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it was just inevitable that, like, all of us, we started cutting our teeth with the old pallets and, and reclaimed wood, and, and, you know, just as, as we continue to do this stuff, we want to go further with it. You know, push it. You know, it makes sense that that would be happening in all over the world, not just in our corner. It, it's 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 not hard at all to get that refined, um, very delicate look using reclaimed materials. Hmm. But re, reclaim the you know put in quotes reclaimed furniture, or made of reclaimed furniture does have a certain look all to its own. Yep, and value. Yeah. 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 I can I can go to I can go to San Francisco and I can go to any of these little boutique stores where they've got a bunch of amazingly priced pieces of furniture that's just like really and I and it's stuff it's all stuff I can build it's all stuff I can you know that I have built mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it's just a market I think somebody asked us recently um, uh, about pricing and Tim it was much more you know because it was a uh, custommade.com and you talked to him if you gave the best advice, somebody wrote into us and, and we talked to him. And the only thing I could add to it was know your market because I know he's from Southern California. And mm. know your market because that's that's always what he can get for down there. He probably can't get in Connecticut or Ohio or I don't know. I'm, I'm just naming places. But I'm saying California brings a premium. We mm-hmm. pay a premium for gas. We pay a premium for housing. And people mm. will pay a premium for two two-by-fours stuck together and we'll call it a chandelier, you know. Well, stained walnut stain. <laughs> walnut stained, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And the, the John and Matt, the rest are, are uh, perfect examples of that because they make they do really well for making a lot of rustic and reclaimed stuff that they sell in the LA area, and and they they make bank. They, they make good money on it. Hmm. 
Can you think of any situation in which metric, apart from the frets that we talked about before, where metric is better in woodworking? Yeah. Um, anytime you're trying to divide something up, I would say, it's on smaller projects, you want to make a jewelry box. For me, I use it a lot, um, uh, just like I said, when I'm on some, something small, something with bread box, smaller than a bread box, right? right? Anything like that, you can use metric pretty easily. I have I have a couple yeah. metric rulers. It's just so much easier to divide. You know, if you're if you're trying to divide something that's only about, you know, uh, an inch and something, well, get your metric out because now it's 16 centimeters, and you you can divide that. That's eight is half. So I I have uh, two two things to say to this. One is that if I need to find the center of something and it's eight and three sixteenths long, I look I look at the big number like or to, or to the half or the quarter. So I'll look at it like big. Well, four, and so I'll measure from one side four, measure from the other side four, and then I can eyeball the center between those two marks. Um, so that's one way I can stay in the imperial. That's system. an imperial process, right yes. there, my friend. Oh, that, that that's that's light. And and that's most. That that's a lot of what I do. I mean, yeah, because a lot of the like, bigger stuff I do. Yeah, I I can eyeball something. Because my tape measure within. doesn't have, you know, I just my tape measure is all imperial. So, but but then but the other point of that, I have this 18 inch ruler I got from back when I used to work at the newspaper, and it has imperial on one side, metric on the other side, and then you flip it, and it has picas. And then it has imperial divided by tens instead of the eight system, which oh. is I, I still don't know how to use it, but or why that's, anybody would want to. But if I'm working on anything that's under eighteen inches or fewer than eighteen inches, I should say, uh, I grab that ruler because one of those is going to be easy to find the center. <laughs> I don't care, you know what I mean. One of them yeah. is going to line up perfectly, and then I can See, find. See, and I I quit using the tape measure so long. Ago. I mean, I still I have ten tape measures in my garage, but I just don't use them. I have different sized yardsticks and rulers and and everything and that's what i use for almost all of my all my woodworking because it's so much easier to just lay that thing on there flat you don't have to start from one end to the other i can look at the middle of it and just count yeah quarter yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's just it's so much more handy a that tape measure is a pain in the ass it's it's good to measure like uh, okay how long is that board real quick flip out your tape measure okay i got i got almost a 10 footer here okay cut it in half i can use it later I have one of those. I picked up at a yard sale. The you know the sticks that fold out. You know I don't know what they're called. You know it's like a it's a ruler that folds and at every yeah six the inches. old school thing ridiculously ridiculously useless. That's what I call them. Um, yeah, they're cool though. There's something quaint about them. And uh, I I, should, I want to I, I keep meaning to just start putting that in my pocket instead of the tape measure on my belt to see if I can. That's, use no, it, that's I just, silly. I always grab the tape. You know what it is? That's too hipster, even for you. That's too hipster. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to catch some flack about that because I know a lot of people actually still use them. A lot of people swear them. by them. Yeah, yeah and, and love them. I just, to me, it's like, the, maybe if I had a bigger shop, I, no, I would just have more rulers. Yeah, there. me too. I agree. Have you ever used story sticks for a project? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's and almost I- like... We were talking about Temple, t- story sticks are basically templates. I mean, yeah. you know, I just watched um, Jimmy's triple flip cart where he, you know, he's got all these. He uses a lot of uh, the cool welding uh, swag he got from some company. But he also, instead of using their perfect squares, he makes templates out of out of plywood. You know, so you can do that. He must have showed eight different ways to weld something it, straight weld a square together yeah. <laughs> right yeah. you know and and yeah. uh and to me that's a story stick a template when you make a, a template out of a piece of scrap wood so you can use that to measure something every time that's a story stick as well right no 100 yeah. percent. well we were talking yeah. in the pre-show about nominal values right and yes. how like 
So a story stick basically is a nominal value, right? It's it's you're creating your own measuring system that only you are aware of and is very project specific. So you write a template, and I'm over over uh, complicating it, but that's ultimately what it is. Like inches, centimeters, cubits, whatever it was, are just generally accepted names for measurements that we all agree upon, but there's no reason why you can't create your own that's project specific. I, I oftentimes, uh, if I'm out in the field with something, I always keep um, some small rope, then just like a clothesline type size rope yeah, in the back of my pickup. Yeah. Because that, to me, that's an easy way to measure something. If I, if I see something like a, I don't know, something that's yay big, I take that piece of rope, okay, I need to know where the halfway mark is, I just fold the rope in half, so that becomes a nominal value yeah. name to you know story. What, you know what I carry with me is, I carry Ben Ueda with me so I can use his arm. Yes. Very, <laughs> he's very handy. I just tuck yeah. him away in my overhead bin. Yeah, Last EDC. time I carried Ben Ueda, <laughs> he was very handsy, I'm just saying. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Dude, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Can't help. We'll talk about that next I, time. I mean, it's me we're talking about, so who can blame the guy? But. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Story sticks and templates. Like I was just all those. Um. The chairs I was just talking about. The stools that I'm making. That was all templates because there's an angle to one of the, one of the legs. You know, like the the two front legs angle forward a little bit, and then the back legs are at 90s from the seat. And um, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea what the measurement is. You know what I mean? I just I drew what I liked. Yeah. And I made a template. Like I, it's I relevant. Know, seven. Yeah. Seven degrees or who cares? You know. Right. I was, it, it's here. And so I what I did is um, I drew it on a piece of plywood, like the stool, like the profile of the stool, and then I I cut out the insides. <laughs> you know, like the and it just you put the wood around it. And, no, for sure. Listen, when you when you yeah. um, when you don't use a jig, when you just sort of eyeball sharpen chisels. Right? People are like, oh, you need 25 degrees, or you need 35 degrees, or we need whatever degrees. Like, when you're eventually, when you get to a point where you're just sort of doing it by hand, you sort of find the edge and you sharpen. It doesn't matter if it's 25 or 27 or 29 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, as long as the, it's consistent. Exactly. So yeah. you know, we yeah. we have all of these uh, needs to be as precise as humanly possible, and to. But at the end of the day. Is it an angle that's sharp? Yes. Is it an angle that's comfortable? Yes. Is it long enough to get down to a smaller size? Yes. So this this conversation became way more philosophical than I thought it would, but but I think that's that's the direction most of our conversations go, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well think think of it this way. Do you do you think personality has a part to play in this? Like would would a certain type of personality be more comfortable using Imperial or or the metric system? Whoa, that's controversial. That's controversial. I don't know. I think that I think that would be more of a question for Americans than it would for than it would be yeah. for any other country because you guys sort of are, are are only have imperial right, whereas the rest of the world uses metric well, yes no. but has yes to know no. it because of the U.S. <clears throat> this is so much. This is this is fun. This is uh, uh, thinking about. I heard this not too long ago. Somebody talking about imperial and metric in America uses just imperial. No, I want to just my, point out my truck. I just I I did a lot of work on my truck. It's half and half. I, yeah, I, I gotta yeah. I gotta use a 14 millimeter wrench and I gotta use a, a, a standard set as well on on my truck because half of the stuff is metric and the other half is not. Yeah, but that's so not just, knowing the measurement. That's finding a, a peg that matches a hole. Uh, but still, it's about 
Americans claim that we use Imperial on our products and in, in, in what we do, and that's just not true. We use both on a regular basis. Machinists in America don't use a ruler, and you know what I mean? They use, they use the metric system. They use the metric, I agree with you. But for the average human being, average homeowner who's got to do his home repairs, do you think that he's comfortable in, America, in both? Yeah. Well, well, so I'm, I'm wondering about personality. Go ahead, Tim. I'm getting sick and tired of you guys just saying it's only the United States of America that uses the imperial system. It's just not right. true. You're, you're forgetting about Liberia and Myanmar. So, I mean, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of countries that still use the imperial system. Is three a bunch? Is three a bunch? Three is technically a bunch. Well, it's a group. I, Five is I a bunch. I believe it was Marcus Hoffman who recently uh, was saying something that he prefers using the imperial system. For woodworking, I do too. Mar- I know. Some, yeah. It was a, it was a maybe a Brit. I don't know. One, oh, one was, of these um, one of these others out there. Yeah, no, it was uh, John Heinz. John Heinz made a video about that. Yes. About ten, re- ten reasons why the imperial system is better than metric for woodworking. Yeah. Which you know, which of course you know a bunch of people hated, but um, I like that we have you know here here in America, the land of freedom. I like that we have the opportunity to decide which measurement we want to use. <laughs> do you though? Yeah. If you don't like it, get out. <laughs> the rest of the world is just, you know, just, you know, following those metric rules. We I feel so like you, so so you skipped over the whole personality thing, I I take it. I don't I know I'm not comfortable answering that question. I don't know. I don't think I don't think cuz because people in in Europe like they don't have the opportunity to know that one of them would fit their personality better than the other. I think that's why it doesn't really work. Yeah. However, you talk to someone in Liberia, and you can really get to the okay, bottom. Okay, let me rephrase that. Do you think there are some people in America would use one or the other based upon what type personality they have? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, I mean, really it's the same it. as people that use like mechanical pencils versus uh, you know sharpening pencils. Like, there's there are people that, and there's benefits to both. You know what I mean? There's pros and cons to both. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and, but some people, I mean, some people are going to find that the cons of the sharpening a pencil versus the mechanical, like, are outweigh the pros, so they're going to go with the mechanical, think, vice versa. you got to go with the sharpened pencil, especially the carpenter pencil in the shop, because you can lean on it when you're running your finger on something. Mechanical pencil, I find, breaks more often, and the that's lead is smaller. because you're a brute. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm too much of a caveman for a mechanical pencil. Yeah. Most most people look at me and consider me to be a brute. I agree with you. That's a very astute <laughs> observation. TSA. Yeah, that's right. TSA. Uh, too sucky to be alive. TSA. <laughs> All right. Now that we're digressing to that. Um, so we're good? Bill. Yeah, Bill, do you want to uh, review the review that we got? We got Ooh, a new review. I good idea. We got, we got two um, recently, and I'll read them both. Oh, all right. We, we got one Sunday and one Thursday. So the, the one on Sunday, um, both funny and sort of informative, I assume. I, I don't know if I turn my phone. It, I can't read the entire title, but the review goes, uh, these guys will entertain and might even teach you something. If they're in the mood, Bill in California, who has to reclaim because no one in California can afford to buy wood. Tim, whose goal <laughs> is to save the world with reclaiming and music. Not sure what Phil does. Uh, maybe entertainment value picking on poor Bill. Anyway, great show, guys. Keep up the good work. That is from Rists. Oh, yes. yeah, that guy. Yes. Yeah. You really leaned uh, into that one, eh? You really, you really uh, flexed your acting muscles on that one. Yeah, you practiced a little. Yeah. yeah, 
The rehearsal there's, in front of the mirror paid off. There's actually there's uh, three here. Uh, our buddy Nate, most enjoyably bewildering something. I don't know. These guys are needy, so I'm writing another review because they keep <laughs> begging for more reviews, and they're totally worth listening to. Oh, and listen to my podcast as well. Creator Nate. Wait, I don't have a podcast. We love you, Nate. <laughs> And then uh, uh, Chef Stan, great podcast. I love these guys. I listen to a ton of podcasts, probably over 30 hours a week. Reclaimed Audio, Making It, Maybe I've Said Too Much, and The Dusty Life are four podcasts that I listen to as soon as they drop. Love you all, Stan. Oh, thank you. We love you too, Stan. Stan the man. We nice. do. Absolutely. So that's, that's three that are recent. Um, take the hint, people. More reviews. All of these were five star, by the way, and these are be- that's because they were from five star people. Hmm. That Leslie, was good. Huh? That was good. That was yeah. good. Good uh, rehearsal. It yeah, really paid off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what would you say uh, grabbed your attention this week, Tim? It was actually last week, but I already had one for last week, so I'm a, I'm a week ahead and I'm outdated. Because it's actually a, a video from a year ago, but you know what the Adam Savage channel tested? Yeah. Uh, Who? Last. Exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, that guy. Um, he went to Third Man Records, uh, which is the uh, what's his name, the White Stripes guys' place in the Detroit area, I think it is. Oh yeah. Um, Jack, not Jack White. Uh, Could be Jack White. Well, Jack White is from Jack, the White yeah, Stripes. Jack, yeah. yeah. There's, there's Jack Black and there's Jack White. It's Jack White. <laughs> but uh, so. <laughs> Not Jack Black, <clears throat> but uh, so Adam Savage went to his. He has like a record studio place, you know, there that they they print vinyl because you know vinyl's hip again, and uh, they show the process. Like so, he recorded a song on a ukulele, and then they they recorded onto the lathe that makes the original, and then they went to the factory and they showed the whole tour. And it was just it's it's about music, it's about making, it's got machinery, it's got they're you know talking about how they, they don't waste any of the plastic and they melted. It. it was just awesome. It was just like this like. 25 minute awesome little thing that I really enjoyed seeing. So, and then the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, the Make or Break podcast, talking about great woodworking and making podcasts. Um, I'm supposed to be on it. Ne- I was supposed to record today. But my, <laughs> but my, uh, talking uh, about amazing yeah. podcasts. Well, I'm going to be on well, it. That's, yeah. Well, it is because else. I mean, like you know, Duresta and all, and all these other people have been on it. But uh, I'm going to be on it. I think next week we were supposed to record today, but um, I was having technical difficulties, so. Uh, but that's another good maker podcast that missed the list earlier. Uh, where he talks to he talks to his Brandon and he talks to people from all sorts of different walks of making, and uh, and just just gets them to chat. So, uh, hey, Brandon, I would tell you that Tim just said he was having technical difficulties, so he couldn't record a podcast today on the podcast that he's recording. <laughs> no, because the point. time we scheduled the time we scheduled was, was during the day for my shop, and my I have the I basically steal Wi-Fi from the people in the house up the hill. <laughs> they know they know I'm stealing it, but it's just not good. So, and I was like, oh, it'll probably be fine. Maybe let's turn the cameras off, but it couldn't it couldn't hang. So, so uh, we have to do it at night, you know. That's that's exciting. I I, I like it when uh, people reach out to us and ask us to come play. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun. Indeed. Uh, who's next, Bill? Uh, you know what caught my attention? Uh, this has happened a few times in my life. Um, somebody who's an amazing maker. Um, says my stuff is just pays me a compliment and and that really humbles me so on Instagram sawdust in my beard the guy's name is Phil he also has an Etsy store called 
Patapsco Woodworking, and I think I left a link for that. You'll be able to find it. But thank you, Phil. Uh, he just he just gave me some really nice compliments, and I look at his work, and I'm like, really? You think my stuff's nice? My God, you know when you see these these there's so many folks out there that are just absolute artists and great makers, and the fact that they pay us any attention is is uh, it's like I said, humbling. So thank you, mm. Phil. That caught my attention and put a smile on my face, and I appreciate. Uh, every word that you said. I looked at the Etsy store when you sent us the link, and I will just say to my co-fill, you're not pricing your stuff high enough. It's too cheap. It's it's a heck of a deal. For for what I'm looking at, that's a heck of a deal. Too cheap. That's all I can say. All right, so if you need to do some Christmas shopping... There's your Etsy recommendation. There you go. Get get him now before he ups his prices. That's right. Taps go woodworking. Get him while it's hot. Um, my, uh, my thing that caught my eye this week was, uh, for my good friend, Izzy Swan. He, uh, he's, he's a friend. Okay. You don't have to know all my friends. Anyways. Okay. Uh, he re, he redid a door, basically. He's in his shop. He's, uh, he's, he's remodeling this new shop that he's putting together. And there was this one sort of old door and he totally revamped it and he used a bunch of different materials to sort of create a totally different look and he used like this copper sort of tinfoil thing to coat uh, some panels inside of the door obviously I'm not saying it right and I'm not doing it justice but I thought it was really cool the way he just totally thought outside of the box and used different materials that you'd never think to use together to create a product and I think that's sort of the magic and the genius of, of Izzy is that he he pulls things from totally random places into a product and makes them seem obvious that they should have been used there, and, and sort of that's that's the brilliance of uh, of his mind, and uh, and I appreciate that, and I thought this was really cool, so check that out. Oh, cool! I will check that out. Yeah, the two things about Izzy is that, and then the other thing of him just like like looking, taking something very complicated, stripping it down to its very basic function, mm. and then building it up into something new and complicated. Like how you just any tool, he's like he if it spins, it can do whatever he wants it to do. Yeah, and, and just re-engineering and rethinking it, and it really inspires me a lot to like step back. I mean, as we claim as we do that, we look at things and we step back. Well, what else can it be? What if I turn it upside down? Mm-hmm. But then he does it with tools, and that's what's really exciting about his channel too. You know. And then I'll throw in the last thing is that um, the man is just so much love and support for the community. Mm. I also see like a transformation in Izzy in his more recent videos where he's putting in a lot more of his personality into into the videos. It feels like he's not taking himself so seriously, and and it, it's cool to see more of the light side of his of his sense of humor and uh well that's it's actually thanks to us because um uh the podcast if, if you guys don't know izzy's with mike laffey and joel crawford on uh, uh maybe i've said too much podcast never heard of it but i was uh, uh well i've, I've talked to him recently and i said izzy you especially you need to just relax take the stick out pal act more like me phil and tim and i think you'll see a little bit more success now if you've noticed his numbers he's over half a million on his youtube now it's wow. it's that is, you're that welcome is, yeah that you're is thanks is. to us uh yeah so please make the checks payable to uh, three jerks who take credit for things that don't belong to them um hmm. and uh just make sure the funds are available wait that's my etsy store oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 
Uh, let's see where we are on this this thing here. Our channels on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm Phil Pinsky. Check out WilliamLutz.com, TimSway.net, NewPerspectivesMusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback. We love hearing from you guys. Info at ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com. That's an email address that all three of us see at the exact same time, so don't worry about playing favorites. Hit us up on Twitter at Reclaimed Audio. I see it first. I, I see him first. I'm just saying. No, you don't. On iTunes, leave us them reviews. I've made it super simple to leave us a review. Just go to ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com. Click on the link right at the top of the page, and it'll open up iTunes uh, iTunes for you. And, uh, and you can just go ahead and leave us a five-star review only ever. Um, and on Patreon, patreon.com slash reclaimed audio, the absolute best way to help us keep doing what we're doing week in, week out, regardless of where we are in the country or what hotel we're staying at. Yeah, that's actually true. Mm-hmm. Currently the Hyatt in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, right by the airport. So. Yeah. So you can escape quickly. That is the I'm gonna, plan. I'm going to have this posted probably within an hour or two. So you might get someone knocking on your door. Anybody in the Fort Lauderdale area? <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Just what I need. Just. That being said, uh, my friends, have a great week. Bye, everybody. Be good. No, mm, oh, I don't. All right. Go ahead. No, I or think don't. Bill's busy. Or don't, don't. <laughs> Just don't, don't. Don't, don't, right. don't, don't.